Happy New Year from the Notable Speeches podcast. Today, a speech about some of the most pressing social issues of our day, and yet issues that receive scant attention from the U.S. news media. You'll hear an address about pornography, sex trafficking, and other forms of sexual exploitation. The speaker is an attorney whose work at the U.S. Department of Justice in the 1980s and 90s led to the convictions of many of the nation's largest producers of obscene materials. Patrick Truman led the Criminal Division's Child Exploitation and Obscenity Section at the Justice Department under Presidents Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush from 1988 to 1993. Today, Mr. Truman serves as the president and CEO of the nonprofit National Center on Sexual Exploitation based in Washington, D.C. According to the center's website, the organization exists to expose the links among various forms of sexual exploitation, including child sexual abuse, prostitution, sex trafficking, and readily available pornography. Each year, the center publishes a so-called Dirty Dozen list of 12 mainstream companies such as Amazon, Google, Netflix, and Twitter, whose products and or policies facilitate sexual exploitation. This address by Patrick Truman was recorded in February 2019 at Gonzaga University in Spokane, Washington, during a conference on combating pornography sponsored by the Catholic Medical Association. Thank you all for coming, and thanks to all those who did anything to put the conference on today. Our um, goal at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation is to expose the connection between all forms of sexual exploitation. The, of course, hot topic today on sexual exploitation is sex trafficking. And uh, I applaud anyone who works on sex trafficking, does anything at all on it. But we have to understand the connection between all forms of exploitation if we're going to solve the issue of sex trafficking. My first experience on the issue of sex trafficking was in New York City about 30 years ago. And we had received a citizen complaint from someone uh, that uh, child sex trafficking was occurring in the porn shops, on the streets, and particularly at night on the streets of Manhattan. And uh, this fellow came into my office, brought photo albums of these children uh, on the streets, and we had to act. So we spent our day in porn shop after porn shop. Uh, identifying some of these, but the real shocker was what was happening at the end of the day. At about midnight, the uh, traffickers, some people call them pimps, but they're traffickers, would bring a car full of girls and drop them on a two-block area of Manhattan in the old meat market district, one right after another, and then another trafficker would come over. One of them even had a limousine, got his stable of girls out, putting them along the street. And then the guys would drive in. It was a one-way street, girls on each side. Car would pull over, girl would jump in, sex act take place, she'd get out, move away, the next car would pull right in there. It was an outdoor brothel, basically. And uh, by two o'clock in the morning, it was an absolute traffic jam to get in there. And it all happened with uh, the public not knowing that this was taking place, but the police knew it. The FBI knew it. I was a chief official in charge of child exploitation at the Justice Department. We could not get 
the FBI, we could not get the NYPD to put an agent on the case back then. The only reason that trafficking is an issue today is because people speak up about it. Back then they didn't, we were one of the first. Prostitution and of course trafficking is a taboo in society. And we have to ask ourselves, why did those individuals who were buying sex that night cross that line? It didn't surprise us to find children trafficked. And I would say, and our investigators and the other prosecutor I had with us, we estimated that the girls were between the ages of 14 and about 22. And um, that didn't surprise us because we were, that's what we were looking for. What surprised us was the age of the sex buyer. These were college-age kids, some of them high school kids for the most part in that traffic jam that night. What training, what education did these boys have that destroyed that natural inhibition that would prevent you or me from buying a human being? How were those individuals reprogrammed? As I said in the earlier slide, prostitution is a taboo. It's not something that comes naturally. To, to buy a person doesn't come naturally. The key question then is what created the demand for buying those women? We will never solve the sex trafficking problem in America, which gets larger each year, unless we solve this question. What creates demand? Why does a man buy a victim? I believe that there is one key issue, and that's pornography. Nothing trains a young man to engage in sexually exploitive behavior like porn. And nothing prepares a young woman to be sexually exploited like porn. Pornhub has 81 million visitors per day that it is training to sexually exploit another individual. Every imaginable and unimaginable theme can be found on this site. And this is just one of the so-called tube sites. There are a number of them. Most all of them are owned by Pornhub, only under a different name. I um, just pulled these themes from a uh, article that I saw a week ago about Pornhub, what you can watch, videos, crying in pain, 18 and abused, extreme brutal gangbangs. Pornhub is a training in sexual humiliation and abuse, 81 million visitors per day. But before uh, that uh, individual ever hears about Pornhub, the training begins. And that training is done by the media and all the sources of media. 95% of teens have access to a smartphone. 45% of them are online almost continuously. Teens typically spend more than 11 hours a day on screens, one screen or another. Think of that, 11 hours a day. What are they viewing? They're viewing what they want and exactly what they want. They are learning every minute that they're on that screen. It is teaching them something. What is it? 
More than two-thirds of children in the United States have television sets in their bedroom. Children spend more time watching television than they spend in school. Now think about it. When a child is in school and they're in the history class or the math class that they don't like, they're a bump on the log. But when they're home in their bedroom looking at a TV, they are not a bump on a log. They are engaged in what is being taught to them because they've selected it. It is something exciting to them. It is far more to them than the day in school. Television reaches children at a younger age and for more time than any other socializing institution, except what? Except the family. But the one thing we know about the family in America today is that it is breaking down. It's not what it used to be. It's not the number one teacher of our children today. What are children doing during those hours when they're watching television? That should be a big, a big concern. 97% of our teens are also playing video games on computer, web, etc. 97% of them. Is that less exciting than what they're seeing in the classroom in school? I don't think so. Uh, Dr. Park Dietz, some of you might know, a famed psychiatrist, many of your uh, major criminal trials where they're analyzing the uh, activities of the uh, defendant, Dr. Dietz testified. Uh, back, uh, way back in 1998, he expressed public concern that the playable figures of females in video games are portrayed in sexy dress and doing seductive acts. And when he raised that, then the studies began. This has an important impact on kids who are watching this, the boys in particular. A decade after Dr. Dietz raised his concern, there was a study by a parents' television council that showed that 60% of sexualized characters in those video games were female. 39% of the scantily clad figures were female versus 8% male. The numbers don't add up to 100 because, of course, they have uh, artificial characters as well. Where there was a mix of sex and aggression, 39% were female and just 1% were male. What does this teach boys and what does this teach girls who are also online? Through media, our society is training boys to be sexually aggressive. That's the nature of those video games. That's the nature of pornography. That's the nature of a lot of what you see on television, even directed at children, but I'd like to say it goes further. We are training boys, some boys, to be predators and girls to be victims. That's the expectation for a lot of our girls today. And if you want to be popular in school, you will comply. You will fulfill that role and be sexually exploited because in your mind that's what you think will get you that boyfriend, get you that popularity. Look at the studies on sexting and why girls give up themselves with naked pictures to the boys. The studies show that something like 60 or 70% want to be popular. Somewhere near that figure indicates the girls want to get a boy. They think they have to be exploited to do so because that's what the culture has taught them and that's what this talk is all about. The uh, sexualization of America 
and its profound negative consequences has caused our organization, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, to develop a project directed at the sexual exploitation wherever it is found, particularly among mainstream companies, companies that you and I use every day, every week, every year. The Dirty Dozen list is announced every year in February. It's seven years running. The Dirty Dozen list names and shames mainstream players in America that perpetuate sexual exploitation through pornography, through sexual objectification, sexual violence, prostitution, and sex trafficking. It shouldn't surprise you that Google is a perennial favorite for our team putting together the Dirty Dozen list. Show me the hands of people in this room who don't use Google. Raise your hand. I get the same reaction wherever. And if I had 12-year-old boys in this room instead of you, I'd get the same reaction. Google has good, safe search technology, and you can put that on. Most parents don't put that on. Most school systems that allow kids in the libraries, etc., to use Google don't put that on. Why doesn't Google, as we have been asking them now for five years running, why doesn't Google make safe search the default? And if you want pornography, try to figure out how to get around the search and get it. When a curious child types in sex, what they will get in searching is an endless number of videos and pictures of hardcore prosecutable sex. I used to prosecute uh, illegal pornography for the Justice Department. You'll get it all on Google. And all Google would have to do is change their safe search technology, but they won't do it. And what they say is that that's the role of the parents. And the one thing we know about protecting kids from pornography is that it doesn't work to leave it to the parents. When my kids were growing up, I protected them on that computer. But they could go right next door to someone and use a computer that's not protected. And today they can all go right on their phone that you've given to them and get that. It's very simple for Google to do that. YouTube is filled with sexually graphic material. YouTube, of course, is owned by Google. It's easy to circumvent their filters. Right now, if you look at USA Today uh, online, you'll see an article where we're bashing Google over their uh, videos directed to pedophiles. And they monetize those videos. They're very easy to get. And once you get in, you know how Google does it. Their algorithms will show you one video after another. The material is not child pornography. It's child erotica. But Google's under fire from us and other groups for that. It would be very easy to have good filters on YouTube. You're familiar with Chromebooks, perhaps, the Google Chromebooks. 30 million students worldwide have these computers. And the filters are confusing. Most school systems that have it don't have the filter turned on when they give those to the, to the kids. Certainly in third world countries where these are distributed, they don't. It would be simple if Google would merely set a filter as a default. Netflix is a powerful cultural teacher. 
cultural influence to your children and to you, of course, too. 51 million subscribers, and yet Netflix is uh, a go-to place for hardcore pornography. Netflix has over 300 original productions. Most of them use graphic sex and nudity. Our researchers just recently viewed the top uh, or 10 of their original movies, and nine of them featured sex scenes. They have some of theirs. Baby is a uh, uh, show about uh, sex trafficking. It picks up on a real uh, case from Italy. It glamorizes and depicts underage prostitution and sex trafficking. Now, of course, the people who are depicted in the nude and uh, graphic scenes are not children, but they're depicting children. 13 Reasons Why is another one. There have been many others. But here, Netflix currently self-rates for age four plus on the Apple App Store. Kids use Netflix to find material. This material trains them, it educates them in sexual exploitation, and frankly, they become experts in it. HBO is another target. For years, HBO has pushed the boundaries in programming by providing increasingly graphic depictions of pornography and sexual violence as entertainment. And yet it's so popular, most people don't even think of what they're watching, that they're watching sexual exploitation as entertainment. Here's proof. Game of Thrones. Now, I know I'm stepping on some toes here because there are people in the room who watch Game of Thrones. But what is it that you watch? What is it that entertains you? Game of Thrones contains copious amounts of gratuitous nudity and sexual violence, including rape. When did rape become mainstream entertainment? Our organization and uh, about four or five others pounded on HBO for more than a year about the rape scenes. And in the, my understanding, I don't watch the show, but my understanding is in the last uh, series of shows, they eliminated rape. But they still have incest. Incest as entertainment. No one else has that. They're pushing the boundaries at HBO. And I know, I hear all the time, oh, it's just entertainment. Well, how we entertain ourselves says a lot about our culture, doesn't it? Sex trafficking is just entertainment to the sex buyer. You heard about Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots. I don't know if he's innocent or guilty, but he was found in a, an institution down in Florida. They have videos of him. That's a sex trafficking hub. It's a so-called spa, but really isn't a spa. It's a, a place where men go to have sex with trafficked victims. And these places are all over America. We have a project going on that as well. What would he say? It's just entertainment. Well, it's not just entertainment to the trafficked victims. It's not just entertainment for the community that doesn't want sex trafficking in their community. Twitter is another uh, target of our Dirty Dozen list, and Twitter is filled with graphic sex. No place for children, no place for adults. I know we use it. I use it. We have two uh, Twitter sites for our organization because we want to reach a certain target audience. But Twitter has it all. And it's an advertising tool for traffickers. They regularly come to one of our Twitter pages and they join it because the Twitter page is named something like Porn Harms. And uh, anything with porn in it, they'll, they'll join. 
But the, another problem with Twitter is that uh, their own um, rules say that you cannot have a sexually explicit or pornographic image in your profile picture, but they won't enforce that. So people look on our Twitter page to see who's following us. And the porn industry follows us, and they have, and others in porn follow us. So you regularly see sexually graphic pictures on our followers page on Twitter, and we complain about it daily and weekly, but Twitter won't do anything about it. They want as many users as possible. They don't care how they get them. Roku is another dirty dozen target. It's a leading media streaming company. I know many of us use it, but they have an open platform that uh, pornographers can use to create private channels and then they advertise those channels, Hustler and all of them, and uh, people use uh, Roku for that. Now it's a choice to profit from this form of sexual exploitation because Apple TV and Amazon Fire devices do not allow porn channels. That's a choice that they've made. Here I'm stepping on some toes, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. And what we say about it is that if there was a competition, this would deserve the Olympic medal for sexual objectification. The Sports Illustrated Swimsuit issue, in it, women's bodies are for public consumption. It's all about male sexual entitlement. And when kids see this in the uh, magazine counter as you go through the checkout line, what are they supposed to think? We're teaching them something when we see that. Now, I know people use the old line, I just read it for the articles, uh, but <clears throat> these athletes deserve better than to be put in a box of male sexual accessibility. <clears throat> there should be a difference between sports and sexual exploitation. Steam, how many are familiar with Steam? A few of you, not a lot. Steam is uh, the most popular gaming site, online gaming site. It sells more than 2,000 hypersexualized games, including games with themes to blackmail girls to have sex, to have sex with childlike figures, and to rape. Now, Steam is far more than that. They have far more games than that. Uh, it dwarfs the number of sexually uh, explicit games that they have. But a critical problem with Steam, Steam has 35 million users under the age of 18. Now what happens if a child wants to go to one of those games that have rape? He just has to click and say that he's an adult and he's there. A year ago, because Steam was on our dirty dozen list and they were getting pounded by citizens who are on our list, uh, asking them to stop selling uh, sexually explicit games, they made an announcement to all their game developers that they had 45 days to get their explicit games off the Steam site. Victory, but it was short-lived. Within two weeks, because of so much pressure from users of Steam, threatening to leave Steam and never come back, Steam made an announcement that they would, in fact, uh, allow any games on any themes. And that's uh, since that time, one year, the number of sexually explicit games has doubled. Uh, <clears throat> we also target the state of Nevada in our Dirty Dozen list, and the reason we do is because there's this burgeoning effort throughout the world to legalize prostitution, even Amnesty International 
which should be far away from this issue, has uh, come out with a position a year ago urging legalization of prostitution. Legalized prostitution increases sex trafficking. That debate shouldn't even exist. <clears throat> it often is sex trafficking. Legal prostitution is. Under federal law, Trafficking Victims Protection Act, acts of prostitution involving minors or involving force, fraud, or coercion is a case of sex trafficking. Because of that, we know that all pimps are sex traffickers. Name the pimp who doesn't use force, fraud, or coercion. They all do. Where prostitution is legalized, demand grows and trafficking increases. You're going to see more and more articles about this, demanding justice for women uh, in uh, prostitution, claiming that prostitution work is just work. A 2013 study, however, from the uh, London School of Economics found that where prostitution was legal, sex trafficking tended to increase, not decrease. In Nevada, the only state in the United States that has legalized prostitution in select counties, it has the highest rates of illegal sex trade in the country. Now, by illegal sex trade, I mean not in those legalized brothels in those five counties. The highest rates of illegal uh, sex trade in the country. It is 63% higher than the next highest state which is New York, and double that of Florida, which is uh, another high trafficking state. The Dirty Dozen list has had a lot of successes because we have a great group of uh, followers who every year get involved. Any target on the Dirty Dozen list, we build a website out telling what the problem is. So you could go on the Dirty Dozen list on our website, and sexualexploitation.org. But you can go on there to our Dirty Dozen project and get involved in any of these Dirty Dozen targets. It'll tell you why there's a problem. You can uh, write to the president, the vice president, and all of them. Hilton Hotels is on here, for example, one of our success stories. Hilton Hotels, of course, had porn in all the rooms in all their hotels. and. Uh, we met with the senior vice president of Hilton Hotel, who told us that their senior executives were getting a thousand emails a week from our supporters. And what was critical about it is that she said that she didn't understand our issue. And uh, after a talking with her for about an hour, one of the things we brought up is that they have the best training in the country for their staff on how to recognize a sexually trafficked victim and what to do if you spot one. And uh, we pointed out to her that they are creating sex trafficking victims because men come into the hotel, they turn on the porn movie, they watch it for about 15 minutes, decide they want the real thing, they go on Backpage or Craigslist back then and uh, dial up a traffic victim right to their hotel room. And she said, I got it. And then within two weeks, Hilton decided, uh, made a public announcement that they were getting rid of pornography in every hotel room across the world, in every Hilton hotel and every Hilton managed hotel. Several other victories on here because people cared enough to do something about it. So we have to look at, in our society, if you want to stop sex trafficking, where is sexual exploitation promulgated? Who's involved? How can we stop them? I want to conclude with this quote from Harriet Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin because I think it says a lot about today's sex trafficker. 
He's a shocking creature, isn't he, this traitor? So unfeeling, they are universally despised, never received into any decent society. But who, sir, makes the traitor? Who is most to blame? The enlightened, cultivated, intelligent man who supports the system of which the traitor is the inevitable result, or the poor traitor himself? In what are you better than he? Are you educated and he ignorant? You high and he low? You refined and he coarse? You talented and he simple? In the day of future judgment, these very considerations may make it more tolerable for him than for you. I hope the import of that statement uh, registers with respect to today's sex trafficker. By creating, I put it into my own words, by creating a culture of sexual exploitation, we have set the banquet table for the sex trafficker. And now we complain that he enjoys the repast. If we want to solve sex trafficking, we must address all sexual exploitation and end the demand. Thank you very much. Former federal prosecutor Patrick Truman, now head of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, speaking in February 2019 at a conference held at Washington State's Gonzaga University. Since 2016, more than a dozen state legislatures have passed resolutions declaring that pornography is causing a public health crisis in America. It is also worth noting that last month, four members of Congress sent a letter urging U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr to follow through on a campaign pledge made in 2016 by then-candidate Donald Trump. Mr. Trump pledged that if elected, his administration would battle pornography by stepping up enforcement of U.S. anti-obscenity laws. To subscribe to the Notable Speeches podcast, search for Notable Speeches in the podcast app of your choice. And please, if your app gives you the opportunity to rate this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd do so. If you have comments and suggestions, send them our way. Email feedback at notablespeeches.com. 